Hello all, and welcome back to another episode of the Strategic Whimsy Experiment. My name is Jennifer Hahn. And I'm Sarah Callen. And the Strategic Whimsy Experiment is a weekly gathering place filled with conversations about the films that shape our lives. Today, we are going to be reviewing the first Matrix movie that came out in 1999 in anticipation of the newest fourth installment in this franchise. All right, so you're going to kick us off with an IMDb summary for The Matrix. Sure. When a beautiful stranger leads computer hacker Neo into a forbidding underworld, he discovers the shocking truth. The life he knows (laughs) is the elaborate deception of an evil cyber intelligence. Yeah, that's pretty accurate. Yeah. Shocking truth. Right. It is quite shocking. I'll give up that. I, I would be very shocked if I were in Neo's <laughs> position. So, yeah, I get it. You mean if you woke up in, like, a tub of uh, petroleum uh, jelly? So gross. <laughs> I hated that scene so much. Me too. Me too. Oh, I knew that it was coming, and I was like, oh, you're bracing for the scene that you hate. It's fine. Time. It's fine. It's fine. He looks like a very large fetus. <laughs> Just gross. <laughs> but we made it through. Mm-hmm. Well, we are getting to talk about this iconic movie today, so that'll be fun. Yes. Oh, I'm uh, pumped. Let's, let's start off with our one-sentence summaries for this movie. Mine is Mark Zuckerberg's worst nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. Very true. Oh, so much jump back there. <laughs> uh, my summary was, sci-fi sleeping beauty wakes from her slumber to save the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she does. It's great. <laughs> and she gets the kiss that apparently brings her back to life. Yeah. It it uh, works on so many levels. Well done. It does. <laughs> okay. So before we dive into our thoughts about The Matrix, maybe just s- some context personally. Have we experienced The Matrix before? What did we think about this movie? It's been around for so long. Have we seen it yet? Let's start Let's start there. Yes, I have watched The Matrix many a time in my life. Um, I watched it right around when it first came out and instantly loved it. I'm pretty sure that we had The Matrix on VHS and I would just watch it because it was fun and sci-fi and action-y. So I was really, really excited to return to it after I I probably haven't watched this in like 15 years, I would guess. So I was mm. pumped to to watch it again after so long. Mm. I'm intrigued how your viewings changed over time and also what, what it was like watching it this time around. That's always fascinating to me because there's so mm-hmm. much time that has elapsed since... Yeah, yeah, I was cuz I was so excited to watch it again. I was a little worried that yeah. I would be let down, but mm-hmm. I wasn't. I'm okay. I am shocked at how well this movie still holds up and how mm-hmm. good it looks even though it was made over 20 years ago. Like I did not expect a movie that came out in 1999 to still look good. Like mm-hmm. what? Mm-hmm. Um so I just uh, as I was watching it, I was just amazed at how good it is on so many different levels. Um, and I had a great time watching it. I I am uh, not as excited to watch the second and third ones because I know that they're not as good as The Matrix. But uh-huh. oh, this was just such a joy to revisit. So it's great. Great time. Wonderful. Yes, yes. And I'm glad we are watching and reviewing 
you know, one, two, and three leading up to four, I think it'll be really fun to compare and contrast and see how they handle uh, this world in the new one. And also how it will look <laughs> as well. This has been so long yeah. uh, between yeah. the last one and this newest one, number four. That'll be fun to talk about. Yeah, that's one of my my big questions also. Because like, mm-hmm. especially a lot of our movies are so CGI heavy today. Like, yeah. I really hope that they still use a lot of practical effects in the fourth mm-hmm. one, even though CGI at this point, honestly, is probably way cheaper and just easier to do. I hope that they don't give into that temptation too much or at least kind of balance it out like they did in The mm-hmm. Matrix. Yep. Yep. Agreed. Um, I hadn't seen The Matrix for a very long time. Um, I have a vague memory of watching this movie sometime in college, but I don't remember a lot of it. Um, it was a big group of us. We were talking the whole time. I think I fell asleep during some of it because I was probably exhausted from college life. So I went into this movie with probably like very little context and memory of what this movie was about. Um, so in a lot of ways, this felt like a first time viewing experience and, Uh, I was surprised at how many topics this movie covers that are still so relevant to us in this current day and age, Um, especially its its view of technology and AI is particularly fascinating to me. Just being in the the tech space for work is just so many questions about um, the ethical parts of how we build technology and AI and what that will mean for the future. Like, the Matrix was thinking about all of those things in 1999. And the timing of that is really fascinating too because of so much of the rise of technology and the dot-com bubble growing during that time period. This kind of came out during the height of a lot of that right before uh, the dot-com bubble burst. So this feels like such a snapshot of how the world viewed technology in a given moment in time, Um, Mm -hmm. both what it's capable of but also some of its, you know, potential dangers down the line. So lots that we can, we'll, we'll talk about, I'm sure, on that front. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's also just so funny that this came out in 1999 and in the year 2000, the whole like Y2K thing and yes. like everybody was so terrified about everything that was going to happen. Like I was so little, I don't fully remember all of the fears. I just remember like listening to adults like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? So The Matrix mm-hmm. really was a movie for that moment. But like you, when I was watching, I was like, oh, my God, this is so relevant today. (laughs) Like, holy crap, how did they know back in the 90s that this would still be so relevant and so accurate to a lot of what we're experiencing today? Granted, I mean, we don't live in a dystopian hellscape, but, you know, (laughs) a lot of our lives are online and we can Mm -hmm. make our image the way that we want it to and we can live a lot of our lives in just a digital space and it Mm -hmm. fills these desires in us when our lives don't look the way that we want so it's just fascinating that all of these like underlying very human actions uh they predicted way back in Mm -hmm. the 90s so Mm -hmm. yeah yep yep and even this like obsession with truth and how much our society today craves truth and yet 
because of technology and the information age and how so many people are online and sharing their their own stories or versions of realities like it's almost harder for us to get to truth now and we we talked about this a lot on um, our discussion after watching the Truman show but so much of that is also relevant for this movie as well you know that idea of like what is real and what is true and how far we can be from it and our you know what it could look like for us to search for that Um, I feel like that's still something we are still so obsessed with in this day and age. And I hope we don't stop being obsessed with it because it's, it's important, you know? Um, so yeah, lots, lots for us to talk about on that front. And I think even like with that, there's also that tendency of, you know what, I would just rather be comfortable. So like the whole like red pill, blue pill situation and just thinking through like, okay, which one would I take? Would I want mm-hmm. to know the truth and it completely destroy my whole world? Or would I want to continue to live this existence that I'm comfortable in, even though I know there's something more? And so we mm-hmm. see that all over the interwebs, you know, the different people who are like, okay, I'm going to keep like scouring for what's true. And then others who are like, nope, I just want what's comfortable and what I like. And nope, don't mess with me. So yep. I, Yeah. It's very interesting to think about. And the more terrifying thing is with our, you know, echo chambers and the way that we consume media too, people can feel like they are taking the red pill when in fact, uh, a lot of the the pill that they've taken (laughs) is like the blue pill. It feels like truth. Um, They believe it's truth, but it continues to confirm their own existing uh, views or value systems, and then it just kind of continues to cycle down that that path, um, down the rabbit hole. But it's almost there's almost like so many versions of the rabbit hole now. Um, it was kind of nice to be in the Matrix world where there was a clear <laughs> rabbit yeah. hole to truth that we could access through Neo's character. You know, like mm-hmm. um, there aren't like. 50 gazillion rabbit holes and pills <laughs> for me to choose from. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So so the Matrix has just like multiplied oh, over yeah. the past 20 years. And now we just have a bajillion rabbit holes. And right. you can just hop into whichever one you want or just abstain entirely whatever floats your boat. Mm-hmm. It's like Morpheus shows up with a giant bag of pills of all <laughs> shades of color. And he's like, figure out which color is the right one. Right. I'm like, I don't know. Let me try them all. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's that's exactly it. That's where we are today. That's where we are today. And you've got people telling you, oh, you know, the purple one, it's the, it's the real one. It's the real deal. This other dude is like, no, no, no. The orange polka dotted one, that's the real deal. It's, <laughs> what is real? What is real? As Morpheus asks, what is real and how do you define what is real? Yeah, we just need Morpheus to come and and help us out because we're we're trying to navigate a few too many things right now. Mm -hmm. Everything that came out of his mouth was like straight up deep, profound wisdom spewing from him every time he spoke. Which is... I don't know, not not what I would really expect from this like futuristic, like cyberpunk, mm-hmm. sci-fi, high action thing. And then you have like Morpheus just being all deep and 
you know, just <laughs> unleashing all of this wisdom. And I'm like, oh my God, what is life? Now I have to contemplate everything. Thanks, Morpheus. Yes. yes. That's one of the things that I was surprised by while watching this movie is how much it 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 walked the balance of giving us those things to chew on and wonder about, but then also giving us time to just have fun. I didn't expect to have as much fun in this movie as Mm -hmm. we did. There's a lot of really great like high action sequences that are just straight up adrenaline rushes. Um, There's this great like rock music playing in the background and Keanu is just doing his thing and it was a lot of fun. And so I always love, you know, any piece of media that can get us to start thinking about things, but not letting us go too far to the point where we are lost in our own thoughts and no longer having fun anymore. This one did a really great job balancing the two. I left feeling like I was entertained, but also I have so many things to think about now, which um, I was surprised by. I thought this was going to be a lot grittier and a lot more um, foreboding than it actually, I mean, it was, but there was also this other dimension that it was able to weave in pretty seamlessly. And I was, I was surprised that it wasn't, super hopeless like I feel Mm, like a lot of dystopian movies that we watch I don't know it's they're they're always dark and there are dark moments in this and it's like okay things are really really bad which they are in the matrix but in a lot of dystopian movies I end up feeling like super depressed and even though you have your protagonist who is going to overcome and overturn the corrupt system and blah 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 I just I, I usually don't connect with those as well and I just get like I don't know consumed by the dystopianness of it all Mm -hmm. but with the matrix I didn't feel that even though none of the characters were like overtly hopeful I don't know I just I loved the subtlety of of their hope you know Mm -hmm. they, they were hoping for this one but they're not I don't know. They're they're not showy about it. It's like, okay, he's going to come at some point, but until that happens, we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. We believe, but it's not this like flashy thing. It's mm-hmm. just we're just going to keep trucking along. And so I think that's just a an interesting way to tackle this kind of dystopian genre rather than having this like dun da da da, the hero is here and now we can be fine and saved yeah. and it was it was a lot more subtle than that, even though at the end, you know, the Sleeping Beauty kiss, it was a little cheesy. Oh but for the most part, they kept it pretty subtle, pretty chill. And it felt mm-hmm. appropriate for the characters, which I just really appreciated. Yeah, that's very true. That's very true. I also wonder if uh, what helped contribute to that, too, because I felt the same thing, is seeing the subtlety of the warmth of the relationships between this crew of people, too. Um, Mm -hmm. it didn't feel, uh, overly dramatized or that there were this like family that are clinging to each other. It felt like there was this this closeness that didn't need to be overstated, but you, you felt that. And I think in a lot of sci-fi movies and dystopian movies, there's often this lone protagonist trying to tackle this larger system. And eventually they, they meet people along the way. But I think seeing Neo, enveloped into this small little family and community felt hopeful like and and the way that they fought for each other and the kind of intimacy that you saw 
between a lot of the characters with uh, Morpheus as well um, spoke to a past and a relationship that has been there for a long time. And I thought that was, that was comforting, you know, in this, in this effed up world, there is this little community of people that are, that have found true relationship in like in reality too, not in this matrix world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I just love that you know that all of these characters have a rich backstory that mm. we never see on screen, but we know is is there. So like yes. when I was reading up about this afterwards, the 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 directors and the writers, they worked on this script for like five and a half years. And yeah. so I think you you feel that when you watch mm. it. Like they know these characters inside and out. And then they made the actors like read a whole bunch and like the the actors knew all of the ins and outs of the matrix. They mm. knew everything about this world. And I so I think all of that kind of like back end stuff we see on the screen, even though it, it might seem kind of like pointless, but it actually adds so much to everything that we take in because we can pick up on those things, even if nobody like overtly says, oh, this is my past and blah, 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 blah. Like we just, we pick it up because we're smart, empathetic humans. So mm -hmm. I just, I, I love all of the stuff that they did behind the scenes that made this movie as great as it is. Yeah, all that work and uh, extra effort and going the extra mile paid off. Maybe not in ways that we can clearly articulate, but we can sense. I love that. Mm -hmm. Yep. Hard work pays off, folks. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay. Um, where should we begin? Where should we tackle first? Oh, gosh. I don't even know. Can we talk about the fact that um, this – it was so – it was so apparent to me um, how much this movie follows the hero's journey. And usually that uh, mm -hmm. will bug me because it feels formulaic. But for some reason in this context, I think it, it worked well for me. You know, like I can see each of the steps along the journey. Um, you know, there is this concept of him being the chosen one, which we've seen a million times beforehand. Um, and I was surprised by the fact that it didn't bug me as much as it did. Uh, Perhaps it's because the rest of the subject matter was so engaging and was so captivating mentally to to ruminate on that I almost appreciated that anchor point to follow this character through this journey and um, felt like almost I like I was on this hero's journey with him trying to figure out the world and figure out his place in it. But um, I was. I was seeing all of those like puzzle pieces click into place each as the movie unfolded and uh, thinking back after finishing the movie, I was like, oh, that didn't bug me that much. It was almost like this little anchor point um, to explore this really fascinating world um, that we get to explore through the lens of Neo. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think it was a, a smart decision to make the the plot structure so simple because the world is so complicated. Mm -hmm. And I think part of the reason why it works as well as it does is partially because of the world building, like you said, but I think it's also because we spend so much time with the hero um, when he's not doing fantastic things. And 
I, I think mm-hmm. that that adds to it because I feel like a lot of the time on the hero's journey, you get a little snippet before they're the hero, but then like the vast majority of the movie, they're the hero. And in mm-hmm. this, we get him, you know, people think that he's the hero. His guides are telling him like, no, you're the one, you're the one. But he doesn't <laughs> believe it until the last like 20 minutes of the film. Yeah. And so I think because it's a process movie and we're watching him become the hero over time like it's not just that people are telling it to him now we get to actually see him do what the other people saw in him so there's that reward of oh yeah you're actually the one rather than like the ray problem in star wars of like Mm -hmm. after two seconds she's the best so she's the hero like with this i mean this movie was i think like 19 months was the span of time and so we got Mm. to see him you know, failing and falling and screwing up and making mistakes and being human and all of these things before he becomes the chosen one. And I think that that is a more rewarding journey because we got to see him become the one rather than the one solve an external problem. Mm, Yes, yes, completely agree. They strung along that reluctance that we typically see in the hero's journey from the hero Mm -hmm. to embrace his... uh, fate and they strung that along for as long as possible yeah 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 it wasn't just a moment of self-doubt it was many moments and then I loved the the oracle kind of like reinforcing his doubt almost that was such a good inclusion in this to make the plot more interesting for sure yeah I I loved everything about the way that the the scene with the oracle played out because in most movies with the hero journey the Oracle says something profound and it's it's something bigger than the, the hero could expect and they still don't believe it yet, but because the Oracle told them, yeah. like it's always this like fantastical, magical thing, right? In this case, the Oracle, as Morpheus wisely tells him, gave him just what he needed to push him into a moment where he could realize for himself that he was the one. And I think for most of the movie and and human nature is like this, even if people tell you something, um, Mm -hmm. it takes time for it to go from like the head to your heart and for you to truly believe it. And um, that felt so relatable with, with Neo's character. Yeah, she she totally Jedi mind tricked him and it's literally perfect. And I, I even think like now that I'm thinking about that scene even more, it was brilliant how because uh one of them remarks like oh you're right on time and so the fact that he came in when all of the other candidates were sitting there who were all children and he Mm -hmm. like imagine like the insecurity that might like fester Mm -hmm. in you when you're like I'm not the one and then you look and see all these kids who also could be the one and you're like oh I'm definitely not the one like I'm a (laughs) full-grown adult so I, I think that's even funny she probably staggered that even his entrance to make sure that he was Mm. I don't know consumed with that doubt even more so that her point Mm. goes even further in him wow Mm -hmm. so smart yeah good job oracle brilliant I mean there's a little tiny child telling him how to bend a spoon for the first time in his life (laughs) so good (laughs) yeah that was super fascinating I love that it kind of it and it it adds from a story perspective um, and for the movie's enjoyment, this extra bit of tension too. like we as the viewers are also wondering it's 
she didn't explicitly say he's not the one, but she did not confirm any of the doubts mm-hmm. and the theories that the other characters had. And so now we have all these questions that get to play out um, throughout the course of the rest of the movie and adds to kind of the momentum and engagement factor. Yeah, and I'm I'm trying to think about other movies that really like center on the hero who is doubting. Like, I I feel like in a lot of those other characters are saying like, no, don't doubt. This is who you are. And they're they're like speaking that into them. But in this, I mean, Morpheus does say that, um, but it's it's different. It's I feel like it's more subtle. And Mm -hmm. Neo really has to discover that for himself, which Mm -hmm. other movies do that, too. But. I don't know. I think the fact that so many people were telling him the opposite makes his final acceptance of him being the one um, all the more impactful because mm-hmm. now he could be like, suck it. All you people who didn't believe in me, I am the one, you know, like it's, <laughs> it's really, it's almost this like underdog situation, um, yeah. which we don't normally see in this type of movie or this type mm-hmm. of storyline. That's so true. And I also really love that when he realizes he is the one, it's because of a situation he's put himself in out of love and care for Morpheus. I feel like in a lot of other movies where we see the hero journey, they rise to the occasion and outperform in typically the final climactic scene where there's like the whole world is burning and everything's at stake and they finally overcome that final bit of doubt to fully realize who they are. And in this case, he sees for himself that he is the one, but it was only because he was so adamant about wanting to go back and save Morpheus. Um, And I, I love that that is his forcing factor because I think what the it, the typical hero's journey does in the other movies is it makes it seem like there's just this this cinder block in your way and under the right circumstances and the right stakes all you got to do is just jump over it you know there there's nothing there's no evidence it's really the sleep of faith like maybe i am that fantastic and special and in this case it was almost this others focused uh motivation for it um that pushed him to finally see for himself a little bit more how much he can do with the matrix and bed the matrix. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's also satisfying that it doesn't come all at once, you know, yeah. like he didn't yeah. suddenly become the one, like even in the saving of Morpheus, I don't know, whole act. I mean, gosh, it takes so long to save Morpheus. Yes. We see him, growing in his skills and growing in his confidence Mm. to bend the matrix like that when he's like dodging all of the bullets and stuff like that's so cool but you also see he gets hit a few times and Mm -hmm. so then he learns from that and then in the subway goes just full ham and Mm -hmm. it just takes out mr smith it's so satisfying that we get to see these little moments he doesn't just one day go from like oh i can't do it i'm nobody to like dun, 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 i'm the hero it mm-hmm. takes time and i just i love that like we don't need any more ray from star wars stories we want to no. see them grow and learn and make mistakes and eventually become the hero we don't want mm-hmm. them to come out ready made and perfect yep yes Please. I love that he fails the first jump. 
I love oh, that yes. they included so it in good. There, You know? And, like, everybody saying, like, everybody fails the first jump. Like, ah, but it, some, it humanizes But some of them him. also saying, like, oh, but if he's the one, like, maybe he won't. Mm-hmm. Maybe he'll just be that good at first. Nope. 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 He is human, too, even he's though he's not, the one. Not Luke Skywalker, who in his first training session is, like, able to use the Force to dodge all <laughs> the little things that Obi-Wan has set up for him blindfolded i'm sorry cannot uh, relate nope definitely not <laughs> we mess up all the time we want our heroes to mess up too yes yes please or you're like ray and you just uh pick up a lifesaver and uh start whacking away at kylo ren and somehow make him terrified of you wow <laughs> magical yeah. no more of that nope disney Mm-mm. magic is real we, we don't like that magic. We would Maybe. like more of like the Matrix magic. Yes. <laughs> so I am intrigued in future movies to find out more about the rules of what he can and can't do. Because mm-hmm. Homeboy <laughs> yeah. has uh, dove into the body of Mr. Smith and um, explodes him into pieces from the inside and I was floored I mean it was so fun to see like I'm sure that was such a thrill uh to watch in theaters or the first time when this came out but I'm also like are we gonna get more explanation of what can and can't be done or is are we just going with it anything anything goes in the matrix world I mean he is the one come on now (laughs) no the one powers cannot be defined they are always (laughs) evolving always innovating But I did appreciate how explicitly this movie laid out the rules. And it it wasn't just in like this one little monologue, but as we're going, they're explaining the rules of the world to us. And then we get the payoff later when we see what happens. So I just, as a person who likes rules, it was nice to know where our boundaries are. And then of course, Mm -hmm. the movie breaks some of those rules. And that's fine. We can do that. We'll allow it. But I just, I, I think in, in some of these movies, they're just like, oh, anything goes and like magic and like sci-fi. We can just do anything. Just sci-fi, like, yeah. No, you did not set up the rules properly. So this is just madness. Mm-hmm. But they didn't do that in The Matrix. So I just, I liked the rules. Rules are good. They didn't know a way to that was not over explaining. Like some parts, yeah. we just we got it. Like the whole telephone portal back to... Uh, reality to get out of the matrix that was great you know that we kind of just get it set up some for some great mm-hmm. dramatic tension and yeah. some high action scenes so that was strategic yeah you know i'm thinking about the the turnstiles in um tenant i still don't understand how the like what <laughs> how those actually work but i'm just like okay they need to use the thing to turn back time in this case i feel like it was a lot clearer You need to find a phone. It's usually in some random nondescript location. And uh, you got to be running. And there are going to (laughs) be people coming for you. It's rules of the Matrix universe. Yep. I I mean, you got it. In an easy way. No, no. And it's only certain phones that the operator can get into to transport you back, which makes it even harder. So it's not necessarily even the nearest phone to you, but it might be a different one. Yeah. So it just makes it more dramatic and more fun and more cardio. So, you know, good for them. 
right? Keeping keeping fit. Good thing Keanu is in great shape in this movie. <laughs> right? Everybody is. Like, yeah. whoa, that's a lot of running and a lot of fighting. Right. Wow. The first time he was on screen, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's baby Keanu. <laughs> right? Like He didn't wow. know how much more he had in him for all of the John Wick movies, all of the Matrix movies later. I mean, I yeah. I did not appreciate Keanu Reeves as much as I should have. Like mm-hmm. now I feel like I need to go back and watch his his earlier stuff because I never really thought like, oh, whatever, it's Keanu. But going back and watching The Matrix, I'm like, holy crap, he is yeah. actually really good. And yeah. I never saw that before. So I'm just, I'm so impressed at at what he was able to do in this movie, but I also think it just shows how good of an actor and how much he has grown as an actor as he's aged. Mm-hmm. And just the 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 competitiveness within him as an actor, like he is always going to push himself to be able to do all of these stunts yeah. and, and move his bodies in ways that like normal people don't. Gosh. And yeah. I we just see that on display here. So that's another thing that makes me really excited for the new one. Is because right? Keanu is still Keanu, even though he's in his what fifties now. Like he's he is still he that can person. Do it with John Wick, like yeah. <laughs> the man can train. Yes. My so I'm really, I'm really excited for for what he'll be able to do, and uh, it'll probably be so good. So many fun yeah. fights and stunts and things. Ah, it'll be great. Yeah, yeah, that'll be fun. That'll be really great to see. Um. One of the other storylines that I particularly loved and I was so glad they included it into this movie because I think it it lands home the point this movie is trying to make in a really effective way is the Cypher storyline and showcasing the the emotions and also the perspectives of someone who has woken up and seen truth and just doesn't want to be a part of it anymore because it is so difficult to try and fight in this uh, more barren, cold, oppressed world than to go back to ignorance. And I love that they included that in this because I think we, we you know, believe that we want to, to, to understand truth and to uncover it and to be woken up. But I love that they showcase someone who chooses comfort and it kind of makes you as the viewer, as you're watching the cypher scenes unfold, also ask yourself the same questions. Um, for I think a lot of the movie leading up to that, we are we are on the same page with Neo. We are kind of exploring this world with him. We too would choose the red pill out of curiosity, but we then see the implications of that and how dark and difficult and um, exhausting reality is. And I love that they they included the other perspective. I think it, it adds so much more depth to the message of this movie and to the stakes um, that and the sacrifices that the other characters that have chosen to stay and continue to build this resistance, you know, what they are they're choosing. They've made this choice and they've chosen arguably the harder path than going back to to ignorance. And I love that Cypher isn't this like evil villain. He's just tired. And 
I I think that that's such an interesting way to look at a villain. Like, I know I've complained about villains quite a bit on here because I'm annoyed at the sympathetic villain. But I think that this movie handles it in such an interesting way because, you know, he's a creepy dude. And the whole like when when he was in when he was awake in there and he shot everybody and then like he's creeping on Trinity like that was gross. And so I was like, oh, yeah, Cypher, you deserve to die. But up until that point, I was kind of sympathetic. So I was like, you know what? I would probably get to that same point, too. I'd I'd get to the point where I'm like, you know what? I'm fed up. I want some good food. I want to be able Give to sleep, dinner, you know, like, I just, yes, yeah. even if it's not real, like, I just, I want comfort, I want ease, and yeah. I mean, these people really chose a life with no amenities, no comfort, and nothing was easy, they were constantly in danger, constantly fighting, yeah. that would be exhausting, so yeah. it was just, it was such a relatable villain, and they didn't have to get, like, too flashy about it, and they, i I don't feel like they felt a need to make him like too evil or too sinister. It was just like, well, he did a thing and then we're just going to keep moving on with our story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's just human and he's choosing this other path. Yeah. And I mm-hmm. think it, it makes for some interesting implications for the next movies, especially when they allude to scenes while they're in the matrix like these people may not be ready to wake up yet and be untethered and unplugged from the realities that they're in right now um that's just like a fascinating concept like what the readiness of someone to seek and then receive the truth um, and it also is interesting in the in the context of another conversation that Morpheus and um, Neo have where I think Morpheus tells him like usually after a person reaches a certain age, we don't even attempt to wake them up anymore. We don't even go there because it's too hard for them to accept this new reality that that is true, but forget everything else that they've experienced so far. And I'm like, there's got to be something that continues to be explored on that front because it's such an interesting idea about human nature and um, how we've accepted certain certain realities and how hard it is to unearth those after they've been there for, you know, as time goes on. Um, I hope that they explore that a little bit more in, the, in two and three or four. And I just love the the empathy and awareness in that statement. Mm-hmm. Because in in a lot of these types of movies, it's kind of like, like Wake no, everybody but, up, yeah, <laughs> like this is right, and so like get on board whether you like it or not. Yeah. But this movie is, I don't know. There's just so much empathy, which is again a thing that I would not have expected <laughs> in a movie that's all about like sci-fi and computers and stuff. But there's so mm-hmm. much empathy and there's so much humanness in this um, mm-hmm. that. Ah, it just makes it a joy to watch because there's so many layers to it. It's not just like a shoot 'em up dystopian yeah. thing, even though there are elements of that. But they are they are so um, empathetic toward the people that they are trying to save that they are not willing to harm them by inviting them out of the matrix too soon. And mm-hmm. it's just a level of awareness and nuance that. I don't know. I don't feel like we often see in these kind of movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are. They are 
fighting for what they believe is right, but they can recognize that it will take time for people to, mm-hmm. to be ready for that. And I think, I mean, this is a perspective that I think a lot of these dystopian um, movies or media or novels tackle. And we saw this in Truman Show as well, but in a lot of, in most of the cases, the truth or the true reality is a lot uglier than this um, other reality, this fake reality that most people believe or would choose to um, may stay in, you know? Um, it, mm-hmm. it sucks. <laughs> the truth sucks sometimes <laughs> yeah. and it hurts and it's dark, but will we choose that over um, deluding ourselves into comfort? Or, or maybe not even comfort, but just the familiar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The the familiar has such a strong pull, yeah. and this movie was able to make us feel that uh, without having to ever like really explicitly tell us that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, okay. Can we talk about this the the ending part of this movie? Yes. There's a thing that I hate that this movie did, huh. which is that it was love's true kiss <laughs> that brought him back to life. I was like, are you freaking kidding me? There's so much that's profound and uh, ignites you to think about all these things. Why did they make him come back to life for the kids? Is this just like some marketing dude somewhere on the production team of this movie that's like, we need this to sell and this is what the people want. They want to see romance and they want to see a great kiss for this final dramatic moment. What is it? I don't get it. It doesn't work. (laughs) It doesn't work. It doesn't fit the the tone of the rest of the movie. Mm -hmm. There's no foundation for any of the relationship. I can see a little bit maybe the one-way relationship from Trinity um, falling in love with him, maybe. But he kisses her back, so you're just like, what? I was... I was not happy with that. <laughs> yeah, I because I, I remembered that they got together in this film. I just didn't remember how no. it happened. Um, and so I really thought that there were going to be more breadcrumbs about this uh, before we got there. But nope, just happened. Um, so where, where you were confused about uh, like Neo exploding Mr. Smith... Yeah. I was confused about how her kiss brought him back to life when he should be right. dead because he was shot like a million times in the chest. Right. So that, that in addition to being like, oh my God, why are we doing this? It was also, you broke the rules of, <laughs> of your world and you did it in the most obnoxious way possible. Like at least yeah. when he exploded Mr. Smith, like that was legit. That was so cool. But the whole like Sleeping Beauty kiss thing, uh, not great, not the best. No. I, no. I, the, like you said, like this movie did so many things so well, and there were so many good lines and moments and profound things, and then to have Sleeping Beauty kiss at the end, it was just like, ugh, God, can can we do better? We can do right. better. And I think what what frustrates me even more about that is. Trinity is such a cool character. Yes. Then to just like relegate her to the the love interest <sighs> felt like a slap in the face after yep. 
we went through so much with her and she's so capable and she's such a badass. And then Sleeping Beauty kiss. Like, ugh, it felt right. like such a letdown. And also the the thing that the Oracle told her, like her yeah. purpose or whatever for her role in this larger story is to fall in love with the one. I'm like, okay, y'all, I guess this was 1999. <laughs> That's true. She's such a cool character. You're right. There's so much they could have done more with her. And um, it felt like they were on track to do that as well for like 95% of the movie. This just last little bit that kind of ruined it. But I don't know. We see her. We see her in the next movie. So maybe, maybe they'll give her more to do. I don't know. You probably know. You will find out, my friend. You will find out. All right. So pumped. But I, I think, I don't know. It. I, especially like as a kid watching this movie, it was so cool to see such just this like kick ass Mm. chick. Just and and she she was she was in charge she knew how to command a room she was part of the team like all of those things and it was just so fun for me as a kid um to see this like strong female action figure for lack Mm -hmm. of a better term and I don't know I just I love that before Marvel before all of these superhero movies like we had Trinity Mm. and she was just such an example obviously not a superhero but showed us what uh, a female like action hero could do and yeah she's just such a cool character and I'm I'm really glad that that she exists even though there are some things that they do with her character that I don't like but it's just great to have that example in our cinema I don't know repertoire, repertoire. of yeah. characters yeah 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 they did so much right with her. She she was she was able to command a room. Mm-hmm. Um, she had that authority and that that presence, but she also wasn't um, cold. There was so much warmth to her. She felt so much when her her friends and crew members were killed by Cipher. You know, there was that that emotional mm-hmm. side of her that um, they gave her as well. And so they did they did so much right. <laughs> we'll just focus on that part. Nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of that is a, a tribute to Carrie Ann Moss, too, and just her her acting ability. And it's funny kind of like reading up on this and seeing how many different actresses were considered for this role. And like mm-hmm. reading through them, I was like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Carrie Ann Moss is like perfect in this. Like, why would you ever consider anyone else? But I'm sure probably at the time it might have seemed like, oh, maybe, I don't know, yeah, maybe she wouldn't yeah. be great. But my God, she's just perfect in this. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, she was great. Loved that character. Can we also talk about uh, Hugo Weaving as Mr. Smith? Yes. <laughs> I could not take him seriously. I'm sorry. <laughs> He's like a caricature to me. <laughs> yeah, but you're not wrong. Maybe that was a point. If that was a point, they were highly effective at landing that. He was just comical and entertaining every time he was on screen <laughs> and like snarling every line that he's given uh, in this movie. I just I couldn't take him seriously as a as a real threat, but added a lot of entertainment value. What did you think about him? It's so good. I just I remember being a kid 
watching this. And he was such an intimidating villain to me when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I remember, I remember, like, my friends and I, like, we'd mess with each other and be like, Mr. Anderson. And, like, <laughs> then we would just, like, bust up laughing. So it was so ridiculous. But... I, oh. So it's funny, like, to remember as a kid being like, oh, my gosh, Mr. Smith is so terrifying. And then to, like, watch, watch it now, now as an adult <laughs> and be like, oh, this is kind of hilarious. But mm-hmm. I also just appreciate how dedicated Hugo Weaving was to that yes. role. Like, he gave everything in that. And <laughs> to be so emotionless yet emote so much at the same time like I'm not sure how he managed that but as comical as he is at points I just I so appreciated all that he added to this film Mm -hmm. I'm like it's a ridiculous role but Hugo Weaving is a great actor and it's just really fun to watch well, I think because he also just does so much with it and does it over yeah. the top, you really can <laughs> buy the fact that these agents are employed by the larger system and they are meant to be incredibly aggressive and um, almost hungry as hunters, you know, to like hunt their prey. And it worked. It worked. His over-the-top performance like helped sell that a little bit better too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it makes it even more satisfying when Neo explodes him. So it's great. Yes. (laughs) I mean, I just want to know how he was able to get the wrinkles on his forehead to communicate so much. Right. Every time. You know? It's it's incredible. Yeah. Does he do like exercises in front of the mirror? Like, okay, this part of my forehead, I want to move. And like Mm -hmm. just staring there for hours. Like, okay, I'm going to make my face look like this. Yes. (laughs) But it works terrifying look in his eyes yeah yes so menacing oh my gosh (laughs) yeah i would run away from him too (laughs) yeah so one thing that you mentioned um in our earlier in our conversation was how good this movie looks and how well it has aged Mm -hmm. as an action movie 20 some years later and i completely agree um I'm surprised. I'm surprised. But I also feel like because so much of the action is so physical and done with physical effects, I think that's why it works so well. And it wasn't done with um, the CGI technology available at the time during, you know, 20 years ago. Perhaps that's why this is able to age so well, because we can resonate with that excitement and adrenaline that comes with, with physical action scenes played out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think all the the practical effects is is really what it is. You know, mm-hmm. like practical effects are just where it's at. CGI mm-hmm. is great as a, you know, it's it's like a like a seasoning that you sprinkle in, but it shouldn't mm-hmm. be the main dish. And I I feel like we see that here. And I mean the the actors trained for months to learn all of these moves mm. and these fights and and the 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 person who choreographed the fights like he had creative control to make them as they should be so i think this is one of those examples where kind of like everything lined up they had the the mm. right actors who are able to perform these things but then you also had the 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 fight choreo- the choreographer who was able to do what he knew needed to be done as opposed to like, oh, no, it needs to look this way or I don't know, all the studio stuff 
that comes in and, mm-hmm. and makes everything yeah. worse. So I don't know. It, it just seems like one of those moments where everything aligned so that the action mm-hmm. could still look good 20 plus years later. Ah, it's insane. incredible. It's insane. And I was surprised at how much they really went for it and mm-hmm. didn't try and do just like what they needed for the scene to get the yeah. scene and then keep moving forward to save on time, effort, budget, all of that kind of stuff. For example, the Kung Fu practice training scene yes. between Keanu and Lawrence Fishburne lasts so long. So long. They really didn't need it to be that long. You know, they could have cut that and just done a third of it and we would have gotten the point had a great little like adrenaline rush and then moved on to the next scene, but they chose to to do that whole thing. It's almost like they were showing off at that point, you know, like of how much they could do. And that was, that was impressive. That scene lasted so much longer than I expected it to. Yeah. That, that scene in the dojo is one of my favorites of the entire film. And what I noticed this time while watching it was that the, the camera movement changed as the fight progressed. Mm. So it's almost like as Neo was learning more about what he could do, the camera was also able to go different places than it was able to go before. So it was just such a different way to experience a fight than what we're used to. Like mm-hmm. a lot of times fights, you know, like you have all of your camera angles and you just kind of alternate between them. But it really felt like the longer the fight went on, the more creativity and the more movement the camera was able to do because Neo was also growing. Mm-hmm. It was just wild. Like, whoa, I never would have thought to do that with a camera. That's wow. That's really creative. Mm-hmm. That's neat. You have to help communicate the shift that's yeah. happening that we can't tangibly see and fold, but maybe that we can sense there's something different in the way that he is um, being able to fight or react or think faster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Crazy. Crazy, crazy. Okay. Um, other things we wanted to touch on before we wrap up. Time has flown. It really <laughs> has. Wow. Wow. Um, I would like to give a shout out to Tank. Uh, he is the real hero of this. I know that Neo's the chosen one. Morpheus is great. He's a great guide. Trinity, badass chick, amazing. But also Tank. Like, yeah. dude got shot with a whole like electric gun situation, and he just shrugged that off to save the freaking day. <laughs> So Tank is the best. He was my favorite when I was a kid. He's still my favorite today. Uh, yeah. Go Tank. Amazing character. <laughs> I hope he's in the next movies. That's what I kept thinking. Like once they started killing off, once Cypher started killing off people, I'm like, yeah. oh, no, but we need some people for the next movie. <laughs> like I want to see more of them. I'm glad he survived. Mm, yeah. Very good. Uh, he's just the best. Yeah. So I, and I even, yes, I love that we even got so much time with him. Like Mm -hmm. he is definitely a side character. He is not the most important person in this film, but we get to learn so much about who he is, about his brother, why he's important. And we're able to, Mm -hmm. to build empathy and, you know, appreciation for him, even though I, most movies probably wouldn't give him as much time as he got. They made us love him very fast, too. Yes. Ah, go Tank. He's the best. Yes. He was great. 
It was really, really great. And they killed off so many of the other ones. I think <laughs> yeah. everyone else died. Yep. Sure did. <laughs> Jeez. I mean, I love when they do that. Yes. I just, I appreciated the ruthlessness. Because, mm-hmm. again, a lot of movies, they're not going to kill everybody. But they didn't care in The Matrix. Nope. You needed yep. to die, you died. Well, and it adds these really great stakes for the next movie as well. Like all that these people have sacrificed and seen and are still continuing on this mission. Like there's these Mm -hmm. these legacies and people that they're also fighting for. So just pulled on our heartstrings. (laughs) Yeah, I'm intrigued um, to see what two and three will hold and what they will do with four, you know, like – I mean, I I can Mm -hmm. obviously that there's just probably so much more world building that they're going to do so many more future battles with the AI in power. Um, And I also wonder if they're going to tackle some of that history of what's happened in the past and why it's gotten us here. Um, There's some of that exposition and and whatnot with Morpheus uh, telling Neo as he's introducing him to this world. But that's a fascinating history. Like um, this battle with AI and um, the AI somehow now using humans as energy sources. Like I just, there's probably so much more there that I think will be tackled. And we will talk all about it. Ah, I'm just, I'm so excited to watch all of these with you. This is going to be a great time. Mm-hmm. I'm intrigued after we watch three, what yes. you think four will hold and what you want four, will, four to hold. That will be a fun conversation. Yeah. Uh, especially since so much time has elapsed between those two movies. What could they possibly do now? And just, I, I am, just as a rule, I'm, I'm not a fan of sequels, number one. No. But I'm also not a fan of sequels that come 20 years after <laughs> the original movie. So I'm, I'm very intrigued about this like Mm -hmm. that is that is quite a choice especially because the first one was so good and like two and three definitely were not as good as the first one Mm -hmm. so to to come back over 20 years later and do another one of these films that's that is a gutsy choice so Mm -hmm. i'm i'm very intrigued what they're gonna do and I don't know. With we'll find same, out soon. So the same director too. And yeah. yeah. Resurrections. What? And also the yeah. movie poster doesn't reveal anything. It's just a red pill and blue pill on a white background. Yeah. Shrouded in a mystery. Which is how we like it, let's be honest. Like, yeah. Please don't tell me all of the things. Just <laughs> just give me a little teaser. Let me know that I need to watch this movie and I will go and watch this movie. Yep. All right. Well, more to come in the Matrix world. We will uh, be back with two and three and then be watching four for sure. This was our review and discussion of the Matrix. You can find it available to stream on HBO Max. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Strategic Whimsy Experiment. This podcast is fueled by our passion for stories and connection and is something we continue to do each week solely because we love it. This is our strategic whimsy experiment, and we encourage you to find a way to infuse a little whimsy into your day. You can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, 
Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you tune into your favorite shows. Drop us a review letting us know your thoughts and your relationship with The Matrix. You can connect with us on Instagram at Strategic Whimsy Experiment, on Twitter at Strategic Whimsy, or you can email us at strategicwhimsyexperiment at gmail.com. As mentioned, we will be back next week to discuss the second installment in this uh, franchise or this series, The Matrix Reloaded. We hope you have an amazing week and we'll see you very soon. Thank you.